Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and today we continue our journey through the 1980s G.I. Joe Real American Hero toy line, but we only make it through 1986. Uh, I sat down once again with Noel and Christian and... We realized that 1986 was a huge year that we had a lot to talk about. Uh, and I'll be honest, I think if, if, if we had had the opportunity to do the first one again, we might have split it up even more. But we were just having so much fun in the conversation that we just kind of kept going and covered the first four years. And our intent with this episode was to cover the next four years, 86, 87, 88, 89. And we got going on 86, and it was just so good. And we didn't even hit everything, but that's okay. Uh, there, there's plenty more time for more G.I. Joe episodes. So this is a, a great, fun episode where you get three real fans talking about G.I. Joe. Uh, we, we had a great time. You're going to enjoy listening to it. But before we get to that, we've got some news. And this week, somewhat surprisingly, we actually do have some news. Some real news. Uh, the first thing I wanted to mention is Spector Creative on YouTube. It is a YouTube channel that's apparently been around for a few months now, if not a little bit longer. Now, if Spector sounds familiar to you, you might remember the mighty Spector from Masters of the Universe Classics, the figure based on a childhood design of the creator of Masters of the Universe Classics and the line runner... Uh, or, or creative director, I guess, of DC Universe Classics for Mattel, Scott Knightlick, otherwise known as Toy Guru. This is his YouTube channel, and it is absolutely incredible. If you are a toy enthusiast, if you're a toy collector, or even if just y you like hearing people talk about toys, this channel is incredible. It is a pulls-no-punches makes no excuses look at the lines that he worked on and the toy industry in general. Um, he's got videos about specific figures. He's got videos about the line in general. He has a video called, and actually I apologize, I thought I had the right page pulled up here, uh, but it was the stupid feature page. I hate that. Just, just bring up everybody's pages. Uh, all right, so... He, he has Secrets of Trapjaw, behind the scenes of the Masters of the Universe classics. Uh, Trapjaw, you know, I love that one. Uh, and it gives, it's not just about how that figure was made, it's a history of the character in its entirety, all the way back to the original vintage figure, because Nightlick had access to all of the documentation from the original vintage Masters of the Universe line. There, the insight that he's providing 
on this channel is incredible. He also talks about things like Star Wars The Vintage Collection and why they release the figures they do. He does a review of the current wave uh, review. What does a photoreal C-3PO look like? Uh, his topics range far and wide, and nobody else is providing insight like this into the toy industry, and specifically into Masters of the Universe and DC Universe Classics. Um, it really is incredible. And as I said, he is very frank when talking about the line. He has one, and I can't find it right now because I've, I've watched like every single one of these videos uh, from the past month. And just from a month, he's already got like 20 videos. Um, and, and then there's a ton before that. But there's one that's specifically like the top 12 mistakes from the Masters of Universe Classics line where he discusses things like uh, Roboto's reversed shoulders, uh, the Green Goddess's hip joints, uh, and the way that they cracked, and gives the real answers to why these things happened, even if they don't shine the best light on the process. He's very honest. I, I adore this channel. I hope it stays around for a long, long time. I've shared a couple of the videos, and I probably need to go share a couple more right now. Uh, and he does interact, too. I left a comment on there uh, thanking him for the videos and telling him we should have appreciated him back in the day, which I 100% mean. Uh, I On oldneedlessthings.com, uh, there, there's some stuff on there that's not very flattering about you know, not, not personal stuff about him, but the way he was running the lines at the time, because there were a lot of things that fans got upset about. There were a lot of things that I got upset about, but now with a little more perspective and a little more understanding of exactly what his position was within Mattel and over these lines, uh, I feel bad. Everybody was way too hard on that guy. We should have all appreciated him more. And I, I said that in my comment and he actually responded. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, if, if you don't mind, best thing to do is share the channel. I'd love it. Uh, so he, he's interacting with people in a positive way. So it's Spector, that's S-P-E-C-T-O-R, creative, on YouTube. It's it's the best channel aside from, and, and look, i got to put these guys over because of how hard they work. Aside from the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast channel, the Spector Creative, I think, is the best channel on YouTube. I, I It's crazy. He explains... Uh, how likeness rights work. I mean, it's it's fascinating for me as a lifelong, not just toy collector, but somebody who's fascinated by the process of how toys are made. This is just candy to me. I love it. Uh, all right, so moving on. Please, please go check out Spector Creative. It's fantastic. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con exclusives are going up for pre-order. Comic-Con is not happening, but the exclusives still are, because obviously they've been in the pipeline for a year now, so these companies have to do something with them. Uh, Mattel has not announced any of theirs as of this recording, but if you go to BigBadToyStore.com, they are taking pre-orders for everything that has been announced, uh, mostly from Diamond, and there is some very, very cool stuff. But the first thing I want to point out uh, from Kotobukiya, which I probably mispronounced horribly, there's a Joker statue that basically looks to me like Prince as the Joker, which is incredible and also makes me wonder, like, why haven't we gotten a Gemini statue or, or something? Uh, there are Prince Pops out there, so we know, like, the merchandise is, is happening. It's okay. Like, the, his estate 
is on board with prince figures so let's get a gemini figure let's get prince's joker let's get prince's batman i don't care what all we have to do but i want some some cool prince figures that are not pops and and look pops are fine but i want some like real i want like a figure arts or a mathex prince figure like they did with uh freddie mercury that would be incredible but anyway uh there's there's a uh black and white uh, Joker statue, a little hint of purple, a little hint of green. Looks very, very cool. Uh, moving on to Diamond Select's offerings, and there is a Muppets to the Electric Mayhem Band members box set. And it, if you love the Muppets, obviously Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem Band are huge. It's This is a great, great set. It comes with five figures and animals drum kit. Uh, it's Dr. Teeth, Zoot, Animal, Floyd Pepper, and Janice. The only thing is, it looks like Animal and Zoot are the only ones that actually come with instruments. Uh, you you don't get uh, a guitar. I think Janice was guitar, Floyd was bass, or vice versa. I can't remember exactly. Uh, Dr. Teeth obviously had his keyboards. Uh, Zoot has his saxophone, and Animal has his drum kit. But... Ah, I I love this set, but if they all had their instruments, it really would have put it over the top for me, and I probably wouldn't be able to resist it. But as is, honestly, it's a little lacking for me. Uh, Next one is a Nightmare Before Christmas deluxe lighted figure set. It's Oogie Boogie, Jack, Santa, and Zero, and it's meant to represent the final scene in the movie, and there is actually a black light in the box that the figures react to and glow, it looks amazing. Uh, this one I think is great, but it's 120 bucks for three figures and zero. I can't really consider zero a figure, even though they did sell him separately. Uh, a little steep. I love it, but I've already got all these figures. Uh, granted, this Oogie Boogie in green is very different from the one I've got. But I don't think I can justify 120 bucks for these. It's a it's a great cool set, and if you're a fan of Nightmare Before Christmas and you don't mind dropping that for a, a unique item, then cool. But for me, I, it doesn't quite work. Uh, let's see what else have we got here. Just scrolling down, and it looks like those are kind of the big ones for now. There's a, a Godzilla versus Destoroya Gallery Burning Godzilla. SDCC 2020 limited edition exclusive figure. It's basically a, a big giant sort of statue type thing by DST. Looks very very cool. There's other stuff on here. Uh, there the big announcements are yet to come. Mattel, Hasbro, uh, NACA certainly. That stuff is all kind of waiting in the wings. We haven't seen anything yet. So just keep an eye on on you know you know where to watch toyark.com. Uh, obviously, Big Bad Toy Store, Entertainment Earth, uh, probably Dorkside Toys uh, is a good one. I don't know if I don't know how big they are with the exclusives like that, but they're a great site too. So there you go. That's cool stuff to to be excited about, and and the upcoming reveals. And then finally, the last bit of news is today, as this episode drops, the. Mezco 112 Collective 1978 Superman figure is going up for pre-order. Uh, and, and if you, you should know, 1978 Superman, that is the movie Christopher Reeve's Superman. And they've only showed... Uh, they showed an early uh, prototype, I guess, 
last at Toy Fair was it? I don't even know if they sh- they didn't show it at Toy Fair. I think it was in their catalog. Uh, so we haven't actually seen one fully. And on Instagram, they revealed kind of a shoulders up, and the portrait that they showed looks great. But what I'm going to need is a smiling portrait. I am so tired of these Christopher Reeve figures that look incredible but have this like grim look on his face. I want a smiling Christopher Reeve Superman. That's what I want. And I hope, hope, hope that this 112 Collective Superman finally gives me that figure. And I don't see why it won't because it's 125 bucks. So there should be plenty of goodies in there. Uh, to to fill that out, I would imagine there would be at least a couple other portraits, um, you know, tons of hands, obviously, probably some kryptonite. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll find out by the time you guys hear this. You know, maybe the pre order will be up because that's how Mesco rolls is they don't reveal everything until that pre order goes up. So I will be sitting by the computer at work, hoping to hell I don't have anything going on when this thing goes up. I believe it's at 1 p.m., but definitely follow Mezco on Instagram to be sure you get the the accurate time uh, as soon as that thing goes up. And and their emails as well. I think, actually, I typically get the email before I see anything else. So there you go. There's some actual news, believe it or not. All right, Phantomaniacs, before we get into the actual episode, I just want to, one more time, and again and again and again probably, put over the Needless Things YouTube channel. This week, I posted an unboxing of the San Diego Comic-Con, speaking of San Diego Comic-Con, 2016 exclusive Newt figure from NACA. I think a lot of people slept on this one because I was able to get it for a very reasonable price on eBay uh, when I realized I was a dum-dum for not having bought it back in the day. There's the set with just Newt, and then there's another one that's Newt and Ripley. Uh, So if you don't already have that Ripley figure, that one's probably worth getting, although it is exponentially more expensive. The Newt by herself, uh, still very reasonably priced, at least as as of this recording. Uh, I would like to mention the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, where we will have exciting things happening soon. Uh, We've got some more polls going up. Uh, more conversation. There's another Q&A probably sooner than later. And finally, I encourage you to stay tuned through this whole entire episode because there is a big Needless Things announcement that happens uh, you know, live as we're recording. So stay tuned for that. Oh, also, a new Execute Chapter 66 went up this week. Uh it is on Resistance Reborn, the novel that arcs uh, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. So it kind of explains how everybody got where they are when Rise of Skywalker is going on. Uh, so check that out. They're part of the Needless Things family. I couldn't be prouder of those guys. Uh, they work really hard on these and do a lot of research, put a lot of thought into them. They have to read books, you guys. They have to read an entire book for every episode that they do of this. So please go check that out wherever you get your podcast. You can also find them at needlessthingspodcast.com. And then if you want to go check out old content, like a decade of dorkery, uh, go to oldneedlessthings.com. 
uh lots and lots of content there from from uh, a big crew of people so there you go and now it is time speaking of crews speaking of enthusiasts let's get down to business and find out what's going on in 1986 in the world of gi joe a real american hero yo joe Phantomaniacs, Joe Maniacs, it is time once again to gather the troops and take a loving look back at G.I. Joe, a real American hero. This is the second part of our retrospective on this incredible toy line, and I want to welcome back to the show our friends Noel Wood and Christian Allen. Woohoo! Yo, Joe! So last time we covered 1982 through 1985, and we kind of didn't even really know what we were doing when we started recording. I just wanted to have a conversation about these great figures. And uh, now we've got a little better idea of how it's going to go, and we can sit down and really know that we're going to cover four years of the toy line. We're going to focus on the figures and hit the vehicles you know, here and there as needed, uh, and, and later on, we'll talk a little bit about why we're not focusing more on the vehicles now, but I, I say if, if you guys are ready, we just dive right into 1986. Let's Sounds like it. a good idea. So 1986 was an awesome year. There were a lot of really cool things, <laughs> but something I wanted to point out before we get too much further, uh, early in the line, we had two different versions of Cobra Commander. We had the, the shield face shield Cobra Commander, and we had the hooded Cobra Commander, but here in 1986, things really start to get interesting with version 2s because we get Hawk and we get Roadblock that are significantly different from the original versions and the fact that we're even getting completely different uniforms for these guys is interesting to me. Can you speculate at all on why these characters got refreshes rather than just being, uh, you know, different characters entirely? Well, with Hawk, I mean, they they decided finally in the comic that they were, or not in the comic, but in the cartoon, they were going to bring him in. Um, they, uh, I guess, I guess you know, you had Duke, and he'd been on the shelves for a couple years, and you wanted to have a new leader, and. I guess they could have come up with a brand new character, um, but the idea of bringing back the original team leader and kind of digging back there—and I don't know—I, I don't know what all was behind it. I have a feeling that Larry Hama probably had a push for that since I, he always loved the character of Hawk. I would imagine uh, so. But bringing him back now, making him a brunette, was a little odd. Uh, didn't ever understand that, uh, but he, at least he stayed blonde in the comics. But that was 
that one right there, I was I loved because I had just kind of gotten in my head a year or two before that. Oh yeah, Hawk is the leader. It's not Duke. Yeah. Yeah, and Hawk that Hawk figure is awesome because oh, he yeah. is such yeah. a like sort of dashing old school badass that leather bomber jacket uh the camo pants as i mentioned last time i was a big fan of the camo pants deco anytime they used it uh and, and just he he's got a lot going on he's a very cool inspiring looking figure but to me his design never screamed leader well, I like the fact that he's he's sculpted to look like he's a little older than the rest of the shows, and he was portrayed that way on the cartoon. So yes. that that gave him that leadership quality to me. You just don't like don't see him as a leader because he's not wearing a beret. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw him as a leader. <laughs> uh, Dial tone, I did not, and he came out this year. So I think at that point I'd figured out that berets are not uh, a leadership quality necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got Roadblock, who got a massive overhaul. Uh, obviously, very popular character. When I was a kid, like everybody loved Roadblock. Huge fan favorite. The mm-hmm. the rhyming as as uh, it, it was about as. Uh, the demon in DC comics went back and forth as to whether it was important he rhyme or not. And roadblock, I think went, went a little back and forth too. Well, he was, he was not portrayed that way in other media. Right. Just right. Cartoon. But, uh, yeah, everybody loved roadblock. So I think with him, it was literally just a matter of this is a character people like, let's just bring him forward and give him some bright green colors. Heck Yeah. <laughs> Now, do you guys prefer the original version or this version? Oh, the original. Original. Oh, wow. See, I love this one. I'm a big, big fan of this roadblock. As a matter of fact, when they did, uh, I think it was Gentle Giant that did the G.I. Joe mini busts. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got a number of those, and I was so happy that they did roadblock in his version 2 gear. I love the original. Just I love his like realistic army fatigues. Um, I wish they'd sculpted him a little bit bigger, but I don't know if they knew that he was going to be portrayed as like that much of a big guy uh, in the media when they when they first sculpted that figure. Well, and, yeah, and, and oh, go ahead, and, Christian. And this is to me, this is where they started testing the waters with we're running out of real military looks. So what can we start shifting to and sort of toying with bright colors and day glow and and very uh, 80s kind of uh, aesthetic? Um, And and I think that's where this roadblock sort of loses it for me. Yeah, and, and you're right. We did, at this point, I think this wave consists of a lot more easily recognizable individual looks than any previous wave like we're really getting they're dialing down into specialists with mainframe and low light and dial tone and then lifeline with his mm-hmm. you know that bright red medic gear uh they're doing some really cool stuff in in focusing on specialties and stuff and i i i like it it's We'll talk about over the next three years that we cover after this how far they go with some of these brighter colors and with some of these unique looks. 
But for this one, to me, this wave was very, very exciting. And we've got to talk about, of course, some of the other figures that were in it. Uh, We'll cover the Joes first since we're already there. I was a huge fan of the Beachhead figure. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, And then once once I saw him on the cartoon with his just crusty, angry, everything annoys him attitude... Just loved him even more. I love a, a mm-hmm. good crank. Yeah, he was one of those characters that I, the first time I saw him, I was just in love with the figure. Uh, the character on the cartoon made even better for me. Like he was, and when they they announced that he was one of the leaders of Joe uh, on, on one of the episodes, and I was like, I felt even like more encouraged with my beachhead figure. It's like, yes, I feel justified that he's one of my favorites. And he came with some really cool accessories as well. Uh, you know, as the line goes on, the accessories, it's funny because, you know, we start off with basic military weapons, uh, a, a backpack, a gun, a helmet. Uh, and then as the line goes on, things get more interesting and cool. And then it kind of peaks and starts to come back down where they're coming with a bunch of, like, goofy, weird stuff. But right now, I feel like we're at the peak of coolness because he's got this cool gray submachine gun. Uh, all the weapons are still pretty pretty much realistic colors at this point. And uh, his ammo case, which an extra thing to hang on him that you don't just throw in a bin somewhere, that, it, that actually fits on the figure is very, very cool. But that backpack with the little, I guess it's a grapple hook with... Uh, a like spindle at the bottom or something like I was always fascinated by the functionality of his backpack and just a I mean a, a very like solid great color scheme with the camo pants and the uh, the the ripped sweater and the balaclava I mean he just looked like a guy that you were gonna fear when you saw him in battle yep yeah he looks tough yeah. He's even got, I'm looking at him right now, and, and it's funny because, you know, we, we have these figures, uh, you know, whether they're on the shelf, whether they're in a box or whatever, but looking at him right now, he's even got his uh, Ranger Beret. Yeah, I was, I was going to make a mention that he does have a beret. Yes, he's, he's one of your, head. He's, you, you, need, <laughs> you need to get on, it's, I don't, are you on, you're on Instagram, but I don't think you're very active. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even, I, I don't really have an Instagram. You you need to put up an Instagram picture of your G.I. Joe beret force. <laughs> <laughs> the the best of the best, Noel Strike team. That's right. <laughs> uh, speaking of berets, uh, we also have Dial Tone in this wave, who was one of my favorites because of his cool mustache, but his even cooler, insane backpack. Yes. And uh, and and a, and a name that uh, kids today don't know what that means. Oh my gosh! What is right, dial tone. Good point. What an obsolete <laughs> code name this guy has. Yeah. Uh, so let's and, talk about this backpack because the fact that it had this little hinged arm on it was so cool to me. Yeah. It was like I mean, and this this year, of course, we got lots of uh, upgrades to previous characters. Uh, you had a Ranger in Stalker that was replaced by Beachhead. You had Breaker now being replaced by Dialtone, and almost the all the other new figures for the Joes in this line replace 
other people in those same roles before. Um, but yeah, man, that, that upgrade on that backpack from that thing that Breaker had with the, the little helmet thing to this giant, <laughs> this giant arm that swung down from the top of that backpack for, uh, for Dialtone to talk to you. Like, yeah, he's, he's getting things done out there. Well, and to have any kind of like articulation or movement just on the accessory itself was such a cool big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Anything with a microphone and I me mean, he he's carrying a satellite. Right, right. Like yeah. like a nineteen eighties satellite phone <laughs> on his back. But I love and I love that that he's actually got he's got the sci fi elements like that, but his his costume itself is still very like military inspired. So mm-hmm. he's kind of the best of both worlds of G.I. Joe in that sense. Well, and I love all the little, like, tech gadget things he's got stuck all over him. Yeah. Like, random silver stuff on his sleeve, on his leg, just like, what is that? It doesn't matter. It looks cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we can blame him for the 90s. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, get get some more pouches on Dial Tone. Can we do that? Uh, so General Hawk we talked about. Uh, I did want to mention his cool helmet. Removable helmets that looked different were still kind of a, a novelty at this point. Uh, so his unique helmet with the goggles on top. Which is ironic because the first year almost all the Joes had removable helmets. Well, <laughs> right, but they were all the same helmet. Right. Right. Like getting something like Footloose's helmet or uh, bazooka, right, right, that looked yeah. different from that that same old same old helmet. Which, by the way, as I've been searching on eBay and and listeners, if you have any other resources for finding like GI Joe parts, not figures, just parts, please let me know. Uh, but in looking, it's shocking how different all of the helmets in that first wave really were. There's so many different colors. Mm-hmm. So many oh, it's ridiculous. So there's like literally no way to know which which one is is which basically unless you're looking at them in person. Yep. Uh moving on to Iceberg, who I loved when I was a kid, and then when I reviewed uh for this, shocked to see all he came with was that white rifle. Yeah, one one weapon, and that was all he all his accessories, which is so bizarre considering how like robust the accessories were for so many other figures this year. Now, have you guys in your head in, in going back and reviewing some of these? Because I've I've got I've got a lot of these figures, Noel. I think you've got most of them, Christian. Are you are you? How is I don't know that we've even really talked about it. Do you have a vintage collection going, or are you just sort of uh, actually so for GI Joe uh, vintage vehicles? I still have a few. Uh, as the 25th anniversary figures were coming out, um, I started swapping out. Yes, me too. For more modern articulation and sculpting. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. So, yeah. And don't you hate you know, yourself a little bit for it? And I'm the weirdo that never liked those newer <laughs> figures. I know, you <laughs> never did, and I, I never understood. I, was I just like, don't like the proportions. They I, just don't look like G.I. Joe to me. And... I love my 25th anniversary collection. I'll, I'll never... Well, at this point, I have learned not to get rid of any toys. Uh, <laughs> but at the time the 25th was coming out, I was like, this is the Joe of the future. I don't need these old, simple Joes anymore. 
Uh, not that I had them anyway, but I just really wasn't worried about the classic stuff. But now they, I love them, but they don't hold the nostalgia that the vintage Joes have. And there's just something different about, like you said, Noel, those proportions are just something something special so anyway well yeah the proportions and then like the overly mu- overly sculpted musculature uh it just doesn't feel real to me like hey they're great action figures but they're not the way gi joe should be for me yeah and well, well it, and it all speaking of of overly sculpted musculature we are going to get to that in this <laughs> 1986 oh yes here. there are some shirtless men in this uh this, and and uh, we, a shirtless woman we, we <laughs> Start our village people process <laughs> with the 1986 line here. We do. We do. Um, so, with Iceberg, b- before I make my confession, I want to ask you guys, in reviewing these things, or in maybe rebuying your vintage, your, your collections from when you were a kid, uh, are there any figures that you're like, oh my gosh, I thought this character came with these things... And I was totally wrong about it. Have you come across anything like that? I'm still shocked that Crankcase came with a gun, and I may have mentioned that in the in the last review, um, because I can't find mine. I don't remember him ever having one. Yeah, I don't either. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, other other than Scarlet's crossbow, honestly, weapons always went into a Ziploc baggie so that they didn't get lost. So... Until really going back and, and reviewing some of these, for display purposes, I, I didn't know whose gun went with whose, because they all just look like regular guns. I think I think there's some of them that I, I thought the, they were colored different, and maybe it's just because I had accessory pack versions of them as well. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so going back and, and putting my accessories back together with my Joes after all those years, there were some I was surprised about, but... For the most part, I, I pretty well I, I pretty much well remembered everything. It was only a few I had to go back and look at references for to match them up. For the most part, I've been pretty aware of who came with what, but Iceberg blew my mind <laughs> because I was one hundred percent positive he came with a kayak. Wow, you're thinking oh. of uh, you're thinking of uh, the later Stalker, and that's the weird thing about it is I never had that Stalker. But well, he was yeah, and he was like an Arctic looking right. stalker. And but like, I mean, you would think, considering the snow job came with a pair of skis, that you would have better accessories for right. iceberg. Something for poor old iceberg. But <laughs> but yeah, I was positive that he came with that kayak that stalker had, and I never had that stalker. So that's a that's a weird Mandela effect kind mm. of thing going on in my head. But well, that's yeah. fine with me because he always rode along with uh, Frostbite and Snowcat. Yes. And, you know, so you couldn't carry a lot of stuff in that in that little cockpit. <laughs> that's true. He didn't need much. Uh, yeah. But I, uh, this figure was very cool. Um, I like that they've represented an Inuit in G.I. Joe. It's awesome. Uh, or wait, is he Inuit or nope. is he from Hawaii? No, no. He, he was an African-American from man from Brownsville, Texas. So wait, is there an Inuit other than Quinn? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Not unless it was one of the later lines. Okay, well, never mind then. Hmm. 
Yep, yep. He was that was his whole, and that was one of the things I didn't appreciate till a little later that Larry Hama liked to give people uh, personalities that were kind of the antithesis of what their job roles were, um, and that and this was one of the keys for that. It was like he grew up in Brownsville, Texas, but he hated the heat, so he became an Arctic trooper. <laughs> that is awesome, and that is very Larry Hama. Yep. Um, so yeah, he's uh, figure white. You know, his white rifle is it's different because we haven't had a whole lot of white rifles at this point if any and then um, at least in like uh, unlike a lot of the other like garishly colored guns that one kind of makes sense because you figure hey they mold they, they made this gun in white to be better camouflaged yeah and the figure itself is very cool because they they got a little away from snow jobs kind of all white look and gave him this sort of blue vest deal, and he's got some green highlights and stuff. So he's he's a little more interesting to look at than Snow Job. Maybe not as well camouf- camouflaged, but when you're talking about making something toyetic and appealing to kids, I think they did a good job with the, the colors. Yeah. And he turned into a polar bear in one episode of the cartoon. No, uh, Orca. Oh, I mean, sorry, an Orca. An yeah. Orca, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched that one. And, and for the listeners... Um, if you miss the the GI Joe the Sunbow GI Joe cartoons, Hasbro has a streaming channel twenty four seven. They're streaming episodes of GI Joe. It's not the whole series, but if you get on YouTube, um, any time of day, you can just turn that on and watch some old GI Joe cartoons. That one sadly is not included. Uh, let's see. Then we've got Leatherneck, who is I guess sort of Gung Ho's successor. Yeah. The yep. Another mustache and guy. And just a great figure. Agreed. Yeah, he's got a very interesting design because he's got uh, a nice camouflage deco, but then that tan vest with the green padded shoulders. And when I was a kid, I actually had... Do you guys remember uh, they were winter jackets, but they would have zip-off sleeves? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I had one that was tan. Now, it had brown shoulders, but when you zip the sleeves off, it looked a lot like what Leatherneck's wearing right here. So when I was wearing that, I thought I was the... Matter of fact, I think I have a picture of me as a kid wearing full fatigues with that over the jacket in, like, July. But I wanted to look like Leatherneck. Because that was such a cool look. Because I was, um, I might be able to find it one of these days. When I was in maybe fourth grade, third or fourth grade, uh, we had to write poems about our favorite color, and I wrote a poem about camouflage. (laughs) And I failed because camouflage is not a color, according to my fourth grade teacher. Uh. But one of, here, one of the rhymes in it was camouflage like a collage (laughs) i'll never forget that and you Uh, can't talk about leatherneck without talking about wetsuit who also came out this year because they had a great dynamic in the cartoon where they were rivals and we'll 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 get to wetsuit because he's one of my favorites but we've got to we've got to wrap up leatherneck his accessories cool new backpack very cool rifle because it's an m16 which we've seen a ton in the line so far but his has a grenade launcher on it yeah which makes all the like coolness difference in the world 
that was a major upgrade to sort of a standard G.I. Joe gun. And the funny thing is, uh, in the cartoon, you know, they all had that same laser rifle, which I don't know that we even saw in toy form until the 25th anniversary. Like, did, mm-hmm. was that was that standard ass rifle even ever made in the original line? Yeah, it was a, it was Snow Jobs. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Okay, okay, but it wasn't nearly as widespread as it was on the cartoon. Right, right. Well, it was a laser rifle, so everyone had to carry one. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so we have uh, continuing our specialists. We've got Lifeline, who's uh, I, I like everyone hated Lifeline. I remember for so really? many years, and now he's got a big following. And I'm happy yeah. for that. Well, what's funny I about loved Doc, but Lifeline was a great replacement. I, to me, there was so much play potential in a pacifist joining the Joe team. And what's funny is, even though he is a pacifist, Doc was too. And it's ex- actually explicitly said, I believe, in Doc's file card that he's a pacifist, and it doesn't in Lifelines. I feel like in the comics is where or no not even the comics the cartoon is where lifeline was a pacifist they did it in both uh and larry oh, hollow okay. wanted him to be portrayed that way um he i the um the gi joe yearbook that came out in uh i believe late 85 kind of gave you a preview of some of the characters you didn't have images of them yet but they talked about lifeline and they talked about lifeline and we'll get to lift ticket in a bit in a bit but he basically compared it to Alan Alda and Charlie and Charlie Bronson uh, sharing a helicopter together because <laughs> he's a medic and he's a pacifist. <clears throat> so that was definitely something Larry Hama wanted to, wanted, wanted to portray him as. And, of course, he came with multiple guns, which is really funny. Yeah, right. Well, he, <laughs> he, he literally was with a pistol. But, as Christian he said, the, the play value of this guy is great because he's got a very cool backpack. But that rescue case and the air mask that plugs into it, because any kind of case that actually opens up was huge. So his little, like, life support case was one of the coolest accessories. And not to cross genres here, but the air mask meant that he could rescue Han and Leia... From an asteroid, <laughs> anytime we needed. Minox, no problem. Well, considering his backpack looks like something out of Star Wars, uh, I, th- I think we'll we'll let that one go. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, his backpack is not my favorite accessory of his. He, I could do without that one. I mean, it looks cool, but I'll, I'll be honest, if it was white, I think I'd like it more. Yeah, just um, that weird silver color just doesn't really work with the rest of it. But the figure itself, uh, very nice. He's he's got the uh, the green goggles, which kind of bring out a little color amongst all the red and the white that he's got. But this guy, very very clearly rescue because it literally says it on his leg. That's right, rescue trooper. Don't shoot me, basically. <laughs> right, even though I'm wearing all red, I don't think he has to worry about it because Cobra's gonna miss him anyway. So. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, an essential figure. Like I, I love that Hasbro has support in this way. Like they didn't just make a bunch of dudes with guns. They made, right. uh, uh, they made a, a paramedic. They made a communications guy. They made a, a hacker. I guess, for lack of a better term, 
it's it's a very cool way to almost subvert the military themes of G.I. Joe. Yeah, as as the military themes just in <clears throat> in culture in general were kind of being more or less, you know, less favored by this point too. So they they knew what they were doing. But to go way back the other way, uh, we get a sniper with low light. <laughs> He's he's not a sniper. He's a night spotter. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to put something on a kid's uh, package that basically says this is a guy who kills people. <laughs> he can murder you from a mile away. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what a great figure and what a great character. Uh, yeah. Another excellent entry, uh, figure wise and character wise, into the line comes with them. It's funny. Uh, sniper rifle is awesome it's got the little bipod on it which is easily lost any anybody that came with a little bipod like dusty like low light uh good luck finding that thing nowadays but the scope on this thing is incredible uh, the uzi that he came with is almost superfluous like does he even mm-hmm. need that yeah mm-hmm. i guess it's you know i guess if he if, if someone sneaks up on him he's got a quick submachine gun he can mow him down with but now, but the character, um, especially like in the, the cartoon, they portrayed this really dark, complex character on a children's cartoon, which blew my mind back then. He's seen some shit. Yeah. And he, it's like he was always, when I, whenever I was coming up with ideas for G.I. Joe stories later, like he was one of the central characters I wanted to focus on because he, he was so different and so interesting that way. And yet, amongst my group of friends... Low light, n- not because of what he did was he unpopular, literally because of his look. We all thought he was like any other hunter we see in the farms of Kentucky. Like everybody, <laughs> everybody wears a sock cap. Everybody has goggles or hunting glasses. Like we were literally like. I can step outside my backyard and see 20 guys in the woods that look like this. So (laughs) no appeal whatsoever. What's funny to me is I work with a guy who was actually a sniper in the army. And he is very much like low light was portrayed. That sort of dry, almost distant, uh, I don't know. It's it's just interesting that they got that character right. And what else is interesting about the character is he was originally supposed to be a Navy SEAL. Oh. Uh, and they they made him a Ranger for whatever reason. That would actually have made made more sense. Yes. With his costume. Yes. Yeah. And I seem to remember my dad. Okay, there are two things. I've got, let me let me look at my notes really quick here because i uh i've got to give credit to another website as the listeners know we love yojo.com but this time around i did a little research beforehand and i looked at joepedia uh, oh yeah a little bit more information and uh as far as low light goes he was originally designed by ron rudat the legendary ron rudat who not only designed all these G.I. Joe figures, but also worked on the Hasbro WWF line, uh, a toy legend. Uh, but originally, Ron Rudat designed him to be a SEAL, but he ended up being assigned to the Army. And this is point number one where I seem to remember my dad pointing something out, like, 
he seems more like a seal to me or something along those lines. Cause my dad would like critique these figures up to a point up to but until they get so outrageous that he was just like, uh, <laughs> he would actually take a look at the figures in the vehicles and kind of, you know, give me a little bit of lore about each one. And I, I feel like I remember him thinking low light should have been a seal. So that was an interesting piece of information uh, to come across. Uh, let's see here. Continuing on with the Joes, we've got Mainframe the Hacker, yes. who has some of the most interesting accessories of the year. That high-tech computer that he had. Well, in, man. 19, <laughs> 1980, in 1986, it was around that time where, and this, to my memory, you guys can, can share different experiences, but... I feel like that's around the time when home computers were kind of starting to become a thing. They've been around for a few years before that. I think the, port- but, the portable computer had just come out around that time, and they were like in suitcases like that. They were huge. Well, and tiny that's, little screens. But I'm thinking to the average household, right. like 85, 86 is when your average sort of upper-middle-class family started having a computer in the house. Yeah. So to me, like, oh, this guy does computering. He's pretty cool. With his... (laughs) I still don't quite understand the tube and the little remote control. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That plug-in, like, I don't know what's going on there exactly. You know, it's high-tech stuff. He's got to get... Because, you know, you figure he's out in the battlefield with this stuff, so I'm sure it serves some sort of uh, battlefield purpose. Sure, He's not sure. just hanging out... He's not just hanging out in the, you know, in the, in the control center with dial tone and breaker. Right, yeah. He doesn't have the, uh, the room full of hard drives or whatever it was that powered the pit. That's right. Uh, but I, one of the things I also loved about him, uh, he was also... Larry Hama wrote about him in the in the yearbook, and he's supposed to be an older character. Like, he's supposed to be Vietnam vet, um, whereas that wasn't really discussed for most of the characters uh, other than, like, you know, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow and, uh, and Stalker. Right, right. But, yeah, so he, he's the old guy who didn't have much use on the battlefield anymore, so he got into computing. Ah, very cool. Wild. And I, I love his helmet. Unfortunately, it doesn't come off, but yeah. Yeah, I would like that to be be a removable accessory, but you know, it, it was it was not it was not cheap to make a bunch of removable accessories like that. Mm-hmm. But it is; it presents a cool profile. Like his his head has a very unique profile, and the rest of him, you know, he's got again kind of like dial tone. He's got a bunch of like bullshit gadgetry stuck all over him. He's he's got a bandolier of like microchips or something. Yeah. <laughs> and he's also a marine, which is it's unusual that uh there weren't many marines in the Joes. Especially you know, there were three that came out this year. Um but uh he was one that, you know, wasn't specifically like a marine wasn't a big part of his character. Right, right. Let's see here. So moving on, we, we I think we pretty much covered Roadblock, although I will say he's another one that, as I was going through, I was a little surprised that his own... Now, he came with the tripod as well, mm-hmm. but honestly, who used that tripod ever? <laughs> you know, he's Roadblock. The whole gimmick is that he carries that thing. Right. Yeah. So he's just got this big silver 
heavy machine gun, which is cool. Don't get me wrong; it's cool. But then once you once you put all of the parts of this figure together, he's not that impressive compared to the rest of the the wave. Well, and then unlike Roadblock V1, who had a way to carry his tripod, yes. uh, Roadblock doesn't have a place to store his tripod. And that tripod is broken all the time. Yep. I feel very <laughs> lucky that the one I got was intact. Uh, but yeah, I was actually surprised that he didn't have a helmet. I, for some reason, I didn't feel like I ever used a helmet with him, but I felt like he came with a helmet, and he did not. Nope. Uh, but I, I like his green vest with the, the red highlights on it and the, the sort of tan bandolier thing. Like, I think it's a cool look. I dig it. That's a theme they had going on this year. There's a, there's a couple of guys that had that similar color scheme. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of bright green. Yeah, speaking of bright green, <laughs> let's move on to somebody who I loved because of his name. Because I straight because I, I was at that point I was very much aware that science fiction was a genre that I loved. I was big into anything that was science fiction, and the fact that this guy was literally named Sci-Fi, I liked. <laughs> but my gosh, what the heck is this guy? <laughs> well, I think this was a let's test the waters a little bit figure. That's that's what I, I kind of figured it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It worked as a kid. But as I got older, every time I look at him, I Flash was a much better laser soldier. What what I find amazing is that I always associate this figure with RoboCop, even though he came out a year before the movie <laughs> RoboCop. <laughs> he, I don't hate this figure. I loved it when I was a kid. Uh, but I do look at it now... And to me, he's almost like the precursor to Battle Force 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Which, for me, is kind of where G.I. Joe died. Uh, but just taking him purely as an action figure, the bright green and silver is a really great color combination. The blacked-out visor with the open bottom faceplate, I like it. He's got his hose. I like I hoses are cool, tubes are cool. <laughs> plugs into the backpack, plugs into the laser rifle. I don't know why a laser rifle needs a hose. I don't really understand. <laughs> I'm not a laserologist, so I can't explain that technology. But like he's a cool toy, but he's not my favorite Joe by any means. I think he would have been a great cobra. I think you're right. Yeah. I think so, and I almost wonder if maybe that that might have been the original intent. Uh, like an upgrade of a televiper or something like that. Because Cobra always did have wackier technology, weirder stuff going on, and it was acceptable because with the villains you can take that, but with the heroes, right. uh, for whatever reason within the within the the uh, within GI Joe, you needed them to the good guys to be a little more grounded. What's funny is he almost looks like he's an update of Tripwire. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on from poor sci-fi. We've we've pooped on him enough. <laughs> Onto I don't know if it's my favorite. We'll we'll nail that down when we're done talking about this year, but uh wetsuit. 
as we discussed last time, and, and as I've discussed on lots of episodes of this show, I love aquatic-themed figures. And this guy was such a massive upgrade to Torpedo that I honestly believe my Torpedo figure might have cried a little bit when I brought Wetsuit home. And not to talk about vehicles, but, oh my god, this character in the Devilfish was the best thing. Yes. Because the, the orange on his, his helmet... Uh, along with the orange of that that ship that 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 boat <clears throat> was perfect yeah he's just uh, they have so many again we've got hoses and tubes you plug his mouthpiece into the backpack into his face he's got flippers he's got a searchlight he's got a sea sled and, and good luck completing this figure oh my goodness oh really Oh yeah, well, <clears throat> to to find the well, both flippers in good condition. I mean, that's that's not the hardest thing, but that that little lantern he carries and the hoses. There's just something's going to be broken every time. See, I lucked out. This is one of the ones that I got intact uh, with all the parts, and I I did feel very lucky because I feel like that hose is is very likely to be missing. Yeah. Uh, but interesting note. Uh, another figure. Uh, this. Wetsuit and mainframe. Let's see here. Yeah, the, neither one of them out of this wave comes with any offensive weapons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just that color scheme, that, that sort of aqua and orange and white and black. He's just so striking, looks so cool. Um, ju- just a fantastic design on this guy. Yeah, this was a home run. Yep. Now, did you guys, I would imagine, because I certainly wanted to take my Joes to the pool, uh, probably at at this point, let's see, I would have been 10 now, I don't know that I was really still bringing them into the bathtub, but, like, I loved having all the aquatic Joes, they all went in the water, if I still had mine that I had when I was a kid, the screws would all be rusted, because this Mm -hmm. was... Like, you see this guy, and you just want to throw him in a sink or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Were you playing with these guys in the water? I don't know if you remember the Fisher-Price Adventure people. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a sea exploration boat that came with, like, a, a scuba sled, um, water skis, blah, 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 blah. That was wetsuits vehicle as soon as i i got him that we didn't have a pool so even though i was not in the tub the tub was getting filled up pretty frequently (laughs) to be able to have underwater adventures fighting evil octopuses and sharks from the adventure people line it was pretty cool yeah i definitely had some of the i i'm trying to remember because the the adventure people Boat rings a bell, but I'm not sure if I had it or if a friend had it, but I definitely had some of the sea creatures. Um, and Destro would usually be the one unleashing those on the, the poor hapless <laughs> uh, I right. summon sea creatures. Well, now we have got to take a look at, and we're don't, don't you worry, listeners. I know you're looking at yojo.com and you're thinking that's not all the Joes from the year. We're going by categories. We're going by the regular retail releases. And then we'll talk about the really special stuff. Uh, so we got to go back to our Cobras and talk about one of the greatest G.I. Joe figures of all time. 
and that is the Battle Android Trooper. Uh, when they were like, you know what? we got to show some collateral damage on Cobra's side. How do we do that on a kid's robots? <laughs> so this figure, well, one, Noel, you mentioned trying to find wetsuits parts. Oh, uh, yeah. So I have an incomplete Battle Android Trooper, and I don't know that he'll ever be complete because, holy shit, is it hard to find even the backpack. I've got, mine is still intact. I still have everything. the The one thing that was the that I had to I had to reglue the lenticular sticker to his chest. Uh, yeah, I've that the thing same falls thing. off all the time. Yeah, that was. But I was happy the sticker was still there. Yeah, um, and this is this was when I really wanted to become an army builder. Was uh, by '86. But, you know, you're only working with so much dough when you're 11 years old. <laughs> yeah, and that's I was in the same boat. I think I had one bat. Uh, matter of fact, I don't... This will be an interesting little aside for, for both of you guys. I don't think I really army-built anything. I might have had a couple of, of vipers, um, but I don't... Th- think there was very much that I had multiple figures of. I know I, I didn't have multiple bats. Oh, no, I had like I had like two or three, I had two Vipers and I think two or three Crimson Guards. I may have inherited one from a friend, but no, my mother actively discouraged me from getting the figures I already had and had to explain to her that you can have a lot of them. That's, that's part of the fun <laughs> of this figure. And she didn't buy it. So you already have that one. Yeah, I don't... I don't think I had more than one of anybody. What about you, Christian? Uh, no, my my parents heavily, heavily discouraged it. And uh, growing up reading comics, I sort of had a team building mentality versus army. Oh, you know, yeah, a, yeah. A, like a, like multiples of any one. It was like everybody had their purpose. Even you know, Cobra Trooper to Cobra Officer to vipers there was one on that team for any particular mission now did that change when you started your 25th anniversary collection uh (laughs) because let me just tell you my friend i have uh well noel you've seen it you've you've seen the troop the the out of hand (laughs) troop building i've done (laughs) yeah it, well, it was yeah. hard when that 20... And, and we'll, in the future, we'll discuss the 25th anniversary stuff at length. But being an adult with your own income, with money you can do whatever you want with, it was hard to go to Toys R Us and see four Cobra Troopers on the peg for, what, six, seven bucks each, maybe, if that? Mm-hmm. And not just buy them all, because you're like, yeah. I want a bunch of Cobra Troopers like I never <laughs> had when I was a kid. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, moving on. Battle Android Trooper, absolutely incredible. The lenticular design in his chest. Uh, even the color scheme, the black and yellow and silver, was so striking and cool and ominous. Uh, and then all the little parts, the the hand and the the big claw thing, the laser, the torch. Like, just what what a great, versatile figure that... You know, for me, not having a bunch of them, just having one, he was almost like the ultimate threat to the Joes at the time. 
and having those yeah those interchangeable hands were it was such a cool accessory such a cool feature and you know, of course you're going to lose them all <laughs> <laughs> but yeah going from the claw to the flamethrower to just the regular old hand i mean just very did cool did you guys actually so, use the regular hand no i did no i did oh, yeah okay no. so here here's what i had going on with mine and i just now remembered this so he has his arm, and then three spots in his backpack for storage. If I'm remembering right, yeah, yeah, it was four. It was like a, it was like a machine gun, a or like a laser rifle, a flamethrower, and then that big claw, which was definitely the coolest of the accessories. That's the one I use so, most often. For some reason, though, I didn't want to put his hand in the backpack. I don't know if I thought it looked goofy or what. I would stick his hand inside the backpack. There was because, like, like most of the Joe backpacks, like they're not solid. They have, you know, when you when the where the plug is, where you plug them into the back, they're open spaces where it was molded, and the hand would fit in the backpack. And I stuck it in there for some reason. Hmm. I don't know why. I just now remembered that. Uh, so what was your favorite, Christian, what was your favorite of the uh, accessories here? The flamethrower. Noel? Oh, the claw. Yeah, I, that claw was just so cool, and you could put it around Joe's neck, and you could throw him around, pick him up. And it's funny because, obviously, the laser or the torch were far better weapons <laughs> than a claw, but... A robot with a claw just seems so perfect. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on to our Cobras. Let's talk about our <laughs> super sexy interrogator who in the cartoon was biologist and... Uh, was a dentist. A, a, yeah, he was all... <laughs> he was all... Basically, whatever science uh, job he needed to have dr mindbender could handle he and i mean just what a wacky backstory that he was like this this dentist who was experimenting with uh like treatments and wound up going crazy becoming a mad scientist which is awesome and spent uh, a lot of time in the gym apparently yeah you're right i'm excited not to wear a shirt <laughs> although to be honest if i if my torso looked like that i also would not wear shirts but on a <laughs> battlefield <laughs> Why not? With, with some <laughs> with like indiscernible European accent, <laughs> and um, a monocle. <laughs> there was so much about this figure that made me question so much about life. <laughs> I mean, the generator, the cattle prod. Uh, I think it was one of the first times because, again, growing up on a farm, you saw cattle prods used. For cattle, and I think this was one of the first times where you saw someone that wanted to use it on another human. Uh, well, and they didn't really play up the interrogator thing with him at all, especially in the cartoon. Like he was, mm -mm. he was just the scientist. He was just the science guy, and I think that's probably because interrogation is another pretty dark thing when right, you think about right. it. It's not something you want to introduce a lot of elements to. I think they did a little bit more. Because um, he kind of took over the role of Doctor Venom uh, in the uh, in the comic series with the brainwave scanner and all that, so he was doing some interrogation there. But that wasn't really touched upon much 
uh, in the uh, in the cartoon. Well, it's mm-hmm. amazing that they even released a toy of an electric prod meant <laughs> to torture people with a generator. Like so, that's it's very clearly like. And as a kid, I don't think I totally keyed into what all that was supposed to be. But uh, yeah, pretty crazy. And he's got his monocle. He's got his mustache. Like if if. If there's anybody more clearly evil than Dr. Mindbender, just from a first glance, I don't know who it is. All he was missing was his sidekick dog. <laughs> right. And he, yes. had, and he had a cape that was, like, made of velour. <laughs> that cape was awesome. I loved that cape. And it was the old-school, like, Kenner Star Wars-style cape. That, you know, it's not a cape. It's some kind of weird, sleeveless, long coat. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to see... Here's what I would like to see. Somebody doing a Dr. Mindbender cosplay... Because I've seen Dr. Mindbender, but they always have a real cape. I want to see somebody with this style cape where their (laughs) arms are actually going through the sides. (laughs) And it's like this heavy velour, like not like cape material. That would be fantastic. So all you Dr. Mindbender cosplayers out there need to up your game to really look like this figure. I just, the idea of going shirtless and wearing a cape with like suspenders and a cod piece is <laughs> there's, no, there's something almost, very special about that. No, it's almost like you've never been to Atlanta. <laughs> I was just saying, and I can say without an ounce of doubt, every Doctor Mindbender cosplayer I know is straight. <laughs> <laughs> But I I loved the figure because, like we were like I said before, with Cobra you can get more outlandish, you can get more interesting and weird, and like Doctor Mindbender was an example of that. I I was all in on the figure and the character. I dug it. I really liked it. Uh, and our next, well, not technically Cobra, but our next villain, uh, Monkey Wrench. An addition. Yeah, half the villains in the line this year weren't actually Cobras. Right, well, <laughs> right, right. And that's, he's our addition to the Dreadnoughts, who were the cool new faction who didn't really play ball with the rest of the guys. And he's another one that I was a little thrown off by his accessory because... The, he doesn't have a backpack. Well, the three prior Dreadnoughts all came really loaded out with lots of stuff... And Monkey Wrench just has his stupid trident gun. It's not stupid. It's not stupid. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cause controversy. Imagine getting shot by that. He's not not killing you immediately. He is toying with you. He's like Reptile or Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And dragging you towards him. He has a bandolier full of grenades. So... He's pinning you against the wall, then putting the bandolier on you and walking away. Ooh, nice. I, I love this figure. Obviously, I'm, I am I do this costume, and yeah. uh, it's one of my favorites to wear for a lot of reasons. Um, 
of of all of the other dreadnoughts, he's the one that feels like he's got the aesthetic that best matches the original three, uh, mm-hmm. with this kind of apocalyptic look and the and the the acid wash jeans. Um, so he really fit well. And I, I like when I think of the original three, Monkey Wrench is in there with those guys. Like those, yeah, yeah. they they all fit together. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everything about this figure when they introduced him in the cartoon and he just you know blows everybody up to. To, to win the contest, it's like, yep, yep, this is my guy. <laughs> well, I'll be honest, I the only thing for me, and I'm with you, where aesthetically he fits right in with those original three Dreadnoughts, the only thing that gives me pause is that bandolier of grenades. Uh, if that's, to me, throws him off just a teeny tiny bit, but not really, but it just strikes me as being a little further than what we got with the original three. He's, I mean, he's definitely, I think, more Mad Max than the original three, but I think that's what they were kind of going for anyway, so. Yeah. But yeah, he's great. He's, if you are building Dreadnoughts, you have to have him. You know, Zanzibar, Thrasher, even Xandar and Zorana kind of feel sort of other but Monkey Wrench fits right in with, with Ripper, Buzzer, and Torch. Uh, let's see. Okay, here we go. I, I think there's a good discussion to be had here because we are moving on placement for the original Cobra, and that is the Viper, who in storyline are below the Cobra Troopers? Yeah, that was uh, that's always been and that's always been a point of contention for me. Um, and I think we actually, when we were interviewing Larry, um, either somebody on our panel or or somebody in the audience asked him about that, about whether or not like the Vipers are just troopers or is it a different faction? Because you saw them together both in in both cartoon and comic media. Um, to me, they were a new costume that the original troopers were wearing. That was my headcanon. That's the way okay. I played them. Um, but it, but yeah, they, they are, they are the, the, the entry level, uh, Cobra troops, according to the file cards, which kind of throws that off. Yeah. That made no sense to me. And I, I kind of ignored that. And to me, they were actually the next step up over. They were, they were different. They weren't a new uniform. They were like, a more elite version of the Cobra troops because it just, I just couldn't fathom that this badass uniform was a step below blue pajamas. And Larry called the troopers Vipers in the comics run. Yes. Yes. Before the Vipers were introduced. So, you know, that, that, that keeps my head cannon working for me. But for me, it was at this point, Cobra in the cartoon and even kind of in the comics, you have that split. And so because their mask was the faceless mirror, like Cobra commanders in my head, Canon Vipers were more the people that were serving him versus the people that were going the Sepentor route. When that was, I think I mentioned it last time that I always thought this is Cobra commander creating troops in his own image. Yeah. Ah, very interesting. See, I didn't get that. I don't know that I I ever even really did the split the way that 
the even the the cartoon and later on the the ddp comics really went into great detail on that uh original marvel comics which we'll we can get into another time but there was a huge split in the marvel comics where everyone was trying within cobra was trying to kill off cobra commander and replace him he he ended up on the run Mm -hmm. (laughs) he ended up dead for a while yep so, but I still, I still want to know what like crappy material their helmets are made out of, though, because everyone can just punch them in the face and they just go right down. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Why have this big armored helmet if it's so weak? To, uh, to be fair, Star Wars has done that with the Clone Wars and Rebels as well, uh, yeah, where the stormtroopers can be punched in the face. <laughs> I, I also have to wonder about the goggles. Do I the love the goggles. Goggles go over <laughs> the faceplate. Is that what we're doing? I think the idea is that the goggles are there, so when they take off their helmets, they can protect their eyes. Um, but they just are never portrayed that way. But what, or they're what? just really ready for that cobra rave. <laughs> the goggles have have brightly colored LEDs in them. Uh, but whatever the case, uh, whatever their function, this is a. Very cool-looking figure, and to me, absolutely replaced the the Cobra Trooper design. I, I loved the red and the black and the blue and the silver. Like the color scheme is excellent, uh, and the details are just amazing. The, the the ribbing on the inside of the legs, and then the paint applications with the red buckles. I mean, and then of course the belt buckle itself. All that stuff is. They they were kind of going a little above and beyond for essentially a troop builder at that point. Well, and that's why I think it seemed so unreasonable to me that it was the lowest level of Cobra Trooper. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just just an absolutely fantastic. I, I would say one of the most iconic figures from the original line. Really, I, if if you were to sit somebody down and say, "I'm going to give you ten GI Joe troop builder or ten Cobra troop builder figures," I think this is what anybody would choose even over the bats yeah uh all right so continuing on with our bad guys uh we have xandar and zarana the siblings of zartan who don't really match his aesthetic other than the (laughs) fact that they have color changing skin but and boy, their names start with z oh yes and their names they have they have z and a heavy names uh, but wow, do they really display that 1986 aesthetic? They uh, they are not they are not punk rock. They are new wave. <laughs> it's amazing exactly. that these two characters introduced at the same time, serving similar functions. One of them, a major character in the media through yes. the many years, and the other one, everyone forgets about. Which is kind of funny because that was kind of his character to begin with. Was that he was always forgotten about right that that's actually in his file card isn't it <laughs> yeah yes like nobody ever noticed him uh well, t- well zarana was huge in that she was almost the replacement for baroness yeah in that early on in the cartoon literally any character that was not a joe or cobra that you were already familiar with would end up being baroness Yep. And then Zorana sort of took that role on, but also got this interesting romantic angle with Mainframe. 
which was yeah, one of my favorite episodes of the cartoon as a kid. Well, and they con- they uh, continued it on. Like, it carried across mm-hmm. several episodes. It was very, like, uh, that was some cool storytelling for, for, you know, I love that cartoon, but I, I don't think overall you can say there was a lot of mature storytelling in it, but uh, that that was a cool thing. There were a few things that came out of this year in the storytelling and that were a little bit more mature. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some stuff that was very silly, too. Uh, like, I think this was the year they had the um, the one where wet, uh, wet head or leather head and frog face, <laughs> where Shipwreck was telling the stories. So, yes, you know, it wasn't yes. all serious. With, with the little kid animation on it, which is fun, though. It's a fun, like, I don't mind episodes that are fun little departures like that. Right. Uh, so Xandar, with his bizarrely unaffiliated blue sleeves, <laughs> his pink scarf, and his red... Okay, so are we going with tattoos or paint on this? I I don't know. <laughs> I, the less I think about Xandar, the better my life is. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he was one of my favorites. Uh, not for the Mad Max sort of appeal, but to me, him and Zorana were anarchists. Uh, The look over the years, I mean, minus the gun holster, it's every other guy you see on a Saturday night at Dragon Con. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's tragic. Zorana looks like uh, this cool punk rock chick, and she's got, you know, uh, the looks like blue jeans that just have some cool uh, uh, knee braces and uh, you know the, this punk rock hairstyle and Xandar just looks like a goof he, he looks like an indie wrestler <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah I don't know I liked both of them um, and, and again it's the, the fact that the bad guys can get away with looking more outrageous uh, but I really loved both of these figures when they came out, and I loved that they were Zartan's siblings because Zartan was one of my favorite guys. So, you know, a- any connection to him was automatically going to make anybody cooler, in my opinion. Now, what's interesting about Zorana is there are two different versions of her that came out. One had earrings, one did not have earrings. The head sculpts were very different. Yes, incredibly different. And I have never seen one in person without the earrings. Yeah, the only one I've seen is the one that is the pictured on yojo.com is the one that I have. Yeah, they've got um, the main picture is the with the earrings, but then if you go down to the bottom, or, or no, actually, I take it back. I think the main picture is the without earrings. The main picture is the without. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go, if you scroll down on her actual page, uh, they've got the two different pictures. The face sculpt is is very, very different, uh, and the earrings are very noticeable. It's not subtle in any way. I've never seen one without earrings, and apparently, that's the more common version. Really, that's the one I have. So I, yeah, I don't. So know. I've never seen the other one that I'm aware of. Very interesting. There are. Uh, but she came with uh, some machine... Or no, what did she, where am I? No, she oh, came I'm with in the convenience uh, exclusive. She came wacky, as it's called here, cutting weapon. 
It's a weed whacker. It's a rifle with a saw blade. <laughs> or it's not even a saw blade. It's like a, a throwing star stuck to the end. Uh, and then a red backpack, which actually looks really, really strange on this figure. Yeah, I'm, uh, that was that was one of the ones I'm pretty sure I had to look up who wore that backpack. Yeah, I would uh, never Because have... that color doesn't really fit. And they did the change, the color changing thing, which um, sometimes uh, makes the, char- the, the 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 figures have a really weird color thirty something years later. Yeah, yeah, they can get a little strange, but it typically still functions, so that's cool. Uh, I liked Xandar's. He's got his backpack with all the the like weird darts and whatever those are supposed to be sticking out of it and his his unique rifle that looks like it shoots darts and stuff so like his accessories are are compatible with each other and the colors the blue backpack matches him like it works i don't understand why zarana's backpack wasn't pink um or even blue that red is just bizarre odd choice so why does she even have one well yeah right she doesn't need it she didn't even need one no no, not at all. There's enough she's figure not, here without it. And she's, she doesn't have anything that looks like it would support a backpack uh, <laughs> on well, her costume. She's got to keep replacement throwing stars somewhere for her gun. <laughs> right, so. right. Oh, I would love to think that, that that rifle she has, it actually shoots those as opposed <laughs> to it being attached. <laughs> so she shoots throwing stars. <laughs> oh, that's preferable. Uh, all right, so I, I'm looking at the time now, you guys. We've talked a lot about 1986. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about in 1986. But you know what? I mean, we said this uh, before about, you know, previous years being iconic years. But when you get here, the bat, beachhead, Dr. Viper, Dr. Mindbender. I mean, we still haven't even gotten to Serpentor, like... There are so many iconic figures that have stood the test of time for Joe in this year. Well, I, I'll tell you right now, I think what we're going to end up doing is 1986 is going to be its own episode. I'm good with that. Um, and, and we'll have to continue on in a future time with, with our further years, because we've still got a lot left to talk about in 1986, yeah. not the least of which is one of my favorite action figures of all time, of one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and that is the Sergeant Slaughter mail-away figure that I never had when I was a kid. Nope, me either. Really? No, I only had the Triple T version. That's the. I, that's all I had. You know what? Never had a Sergeant Slaughter, actually. At all? Nope. Oh, wow. Now, was this an anti-Sergeant Slaughter bias, or was this just happenstance? I, it, there wasn't any bias, but I don't think I was actively ever trying to find him. He annoyed me a little bit on the cartoon, but not enough to be like, oh, I hate him. Um, but, nope. See, I could totally understand if a kid wasn't into wrestling at all, being like, why is this wrestler in G.I. Joe? This is stupid. Because that's, that's how I felt about Refrigerator Perry. Well, you know what's weird is when when Sergeant Slaughter was first introduced to GI Joe, I didn't realize that he was a real wrestler uh, because I had I had started watching WWF right around the time that he left initially, 
And so uh, I wasn't seeing him wrestle anywhere until long after uh, his G.I. Joe figure had been introduced. Well, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know how proximal my awareness of him as a G.I. Joe versus him as a wrestler was. Um, I feel like I knew he was a wrestler, uh, but my my memory of those early, like the 80s and, and how I was watching wrestling is so fuzzy that I'm honestly not sure. Uh, but this figure, it's not my preferred Sergeant Slaughter from G.I. Joe. I actually like the Triple T version more because that's how he looked on the cartoon. Yeah. And because it's just more straight-up military. Uh, but this one is a great figure. It's like 100% new parts. He's got the cool boots with the olive panels on the side, the white belt the usa on the tank top uh the red wristbands like he's he just looks great i love he's a striking to me this is a perfect mail away figure because it's not the version you have to have but it's this cool unique thing and it's the mix of like military and wrestling that makes it cool and I don't know how I did not mail in for this figure, because I mailed in for a lot of stuff. Same here. Same here. And and this is one that, just for some reason, I never got around to doing. I think the same year I got a bunch of older, like I got a Hiss Tank, and I got Doc, and a few other figures that were discontinued at that point, but they were doing them as mail-aways. But I just never got Sergeant Slaughter until yeah. the Triple T. I got... Major Blood in the mail. I got Cobra Commander in the mail. I think I got that mail-away his tank you just mentioned. Um, yeah, that didn't come with the driver. I got the Super the Manta. Yes, the Manta. Like, <laughs> all the stuff. The par- that parachute pack. Oh, yeah. The I big the green pack. box with the parachute in it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was all over the mail-away stuff, but for whatever reason, I never had Sarge. So, I like this figure a lot, but... To me, it's a display piece. It's not one that I would put, like, with my G.I. Joe troops. Uh, So to scroll back up, we'll talk about our vehicle drivers a little bit. And we've got some interesting stuff here because one of the most legendary... You know, we talked about the USS flag on the last episode. Well, I think when you look at Cobra's side of things... Their USS flag is the Terror Drone. Except I knew people that owned this more than one. <laughs> well, I actually have the Terror Drone that I had when I was a kid. Wow. Nice. My, my mom called me a few years ago when they were moving and said, I have a couple of things that we never got rid of that were left in the attic. Uh, that you know just do you want them and she says i've got i think it's the millennium falcon if you want it we'll bring it down and i said well yeah i would i would love to have that that would be great and she shows up and it's the terror drone <laughs> it's round <laughs> kind of great which shows which shows how well my mom knows uh really any pop culture uh, but uh, to, to be fair to her, she's the one that took me to literally every movie I saw when I was a kid. So, uh, but yeah, so I ended up with 
this giant thing that I had no idea what to do with at the time, but I, I was thrilled to have it again. Now, it's missing a lot. I, I've got a lot of work to do to restore it, but I've got, I've got it. And it came with a figure whose name I would hey, n- never have remembered without the assistance <laughs> of Yojo.com. I would have just called him the Firebat Pilot. Yeah. <laughs> AVAC has got to be one of the worst names for a G.I. Joe figure in the history of the line. <laughs> and I'm and looking he has a up, very tiny head. I'm looking up what it stands for right now. Um, does it stand for nothing? Air Viper. Uh, <laughs> dude, it does not say on the file card what AVAC stands for. <laughs> All AVAC pilots are drawn from the Air Viper pool. That's as close as it gets. It's Air Viper at the deck. Curb. I had no idea. <laughs> so that's utterly bizarre. Let me look at the bagged version and see if it's any different. No, same thing. Uh, so listeners, if you know what AVAC stands for, uh, shoot us a message. But anyway, uh, so this this was the pilot for the Firebat that launched out of the bowels of the Terror Drome. Very cool looking pilot. I like this guy. Now, did you yeah. guys, you, Christian? You said you knew people who had the Terradrome. Mm-hmm. What was your access level there? A uh, couple of people actually on my block of my neighborhood. So I was getting to, you know, I would say weekly. Uh, and again, I don't think as a kid I knew the pilot's name, but. That figure has always stuck out to me. Uh, the design sort of reminded me of the His Tank driver, only updated. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's a very cool. slick-looking figure. He just his great color scheme there with that silver and that striking bright red color. And that helmet is very, like, sinister-looking. Yeah, mm. but it's so small. Almost, like, it, yeah. It feels like they're, they're, you, can't, you can't fit a head in that thing. And he came with a really cool parachute rig that had the, the emergency chute on the front, and it was actually, rather than being one of the pegged backpacks, it's one of the ones that actually had straps, kind of, kind of like rip cords, and it's yep. you know went around the figure. Very Which cool. No serpent. Uh, what's cool about this is the AVAC and the Firebat showed up on the cartoon long before... Uh, they were actually figures. Yeah, and, and that, I was actually surprised that they that the Firebat wasn't just a vehicle that was sold the next year. Right, which later on they would sell it by itself. But yeah, yeah it, it became it was part of and okay, so here's a crazy thing. Uh, the episode it was shown in one of my favorite two parters, Worlds Without End, where the Joes travel to this alternate reality where Cobra has taken over. Ah, uh, still haunts me. Oh, it's it's crazy, and Joe, we lose Joes to this story. Yeah. Yeah, the closest um, thing we actually had to death in the G.I. Joe series. But the AVAX and the Firebats show up in these episodes, and this is the only time that toys showed up on the cartoon before they were actually produced. Uh, and the, the AVAX were piloting Rattlers as well. But I have, in the background as we're talking, that YouTube channel, the Hasbro YouTube channel I mentioned before, and Worlds Without End is playing right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which is the real reason I just want to wrap this up. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I own this. I can watch it anytime I want, literally. 
Uh, but yeah, just a cool, sleek-looking figure. Very sinister. Uh, I like it. And and the, the opposite end of the sinister spe- spectrum, we have Cross Country. Hey, now, don't you diss Cross Country. Our old pal Cross Country. Uh, <laughs> Who probably got, like, hasn't a aged, characterization. Hasn't aged too well, perhaps. Well, at least not his belt buckle. Um, and, or his hat. <laughs> uh, but very cool, unique-looking figure. And I I now own three cross countries because I have my original childhood cross country because he was one of my favorites and I managed to hang on to him. I've got the one that came with that Havoc that I bought whose crotch broke and now I have the new one that I had to order because I needed one that had an unbroken crotch <laughs> that wasn't the one that I had when I was a kid. So Well, at least he's pretty common. He doesn't have any accessories. and Yeah, so he's, yeah he was easy to get. Yeah, it's easy to get. I mean, uh, but yeah, the, the, this was one that... I never had a Havoc. I had a Cross Country that I somehow wound up in my collection when I was a kid. I always liked the figure. I always liked his characterization. Larry Hama obviously cared a lot about this character. Yes. Because, like, there's a there's an issue where everybody dies except for him. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he, you know, and he had an entire, the, the last episode of the regular series on the cartoon was about Cross Country and his tape deck. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he uh he's from my home state of North Carolina. That's right. Yeah, a cool looking figure, very unique, very unmistakable. Like one of the ones that in a pile of Joes you're going to see him. Yep. And as I mentioned earlier, he shares a, a certain color scheme with Roadblock, who would probably not approve of his belt buckle. <laughs> he, he well, in nineteen eighty six Roadblock would just be very uncomfortable and angry with it. <laughs> That's in modern true. days, uh, nobody would accept this bell buckle. Ridiculous. Uh, Christian, any any cross-country memories? No, actually, other than the, the in the comics. Uh, did not own a Havoc. Uh, yeah, nope. So we mentioned, or, or Noel, you actually brought up Lift Ticket. So mm-hmm. why, don't, why don't you take us on a little helicopter ride to Lift Ticket land? Well, lift ticket, uh, Tomahawk copter. 100% That agree. is just this, uh, I mean, it's it's huge. It's twice the size of the Dragonfly. Uh, it has this bay that you can fit multiple figures or even take out the chairs and put some vehicles in. And it had this pilot that is uh, kind of goofy looking. He's got a weird smirk across his face. He's got this oversized helmet. He has a, an accessory that is... Uh, never ever found, um, dude. I don't even remember him having this microphone. So here do I. And I kept <laughs> I kept track of my stuff really really well. So I, that must be another little tiny piece that I just lost early on. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's everyone talks about heavy metal and how his mic is so easily lost, but. I think lift tickets is just as easily lost. It's just that it's so unnoticeable that you probably don't care as much. But yeah, cool looking figure. Again, he has that sort of tan vest situation going on. Uh, the the tan red green is a nice color combo. His helmet is giant and goofy, but he looked cool. I liked him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks like a helicopter pilot. Let's see. Okay, now, boy, man, what a year this was. No wonder <laughs> it's its own episode. 
the Cobra Stun. The the two-headed, nonsensical vehicle that was omnipresent in the cartoon looked amazing. Hated you hated it? Oh, I, <laughs> I loved it. it. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. Oh, I thought it was I, awesome. I love it. So there's a, in the Arise or Pintor Arise cartoon, when Cobra's attacking and either Hawk or Duke says something about, like, I don't understand what this, you know, why they would use the stuns instead of the traditional hiss tanks. And I said, yeah, because the hiss tank is a high-speed sentry. It's also armored. But the so. stun looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> why would you Why would you drive a, a Ford Bronco instead of a DeLorean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love I love the stun. That it doesn't make any sense at all. But I absolutely love it. it. Had those rubber wheels, which was always a big deal. To me, it held. It felt like a He Man. <laughs> oh my gosh! You call like, it. It didn't have dragon heads on it. <laughs> <laughs> but the weird, like, nonsensical splitting thing that served no purpose except for just, like, they hey, it's a gimmick. They could shoot in more directions. <laughs> Look, there's a guy over there. Split up. This, this was the vehicle on the front lines. This is your cannon fodder troops that you send in with a lot of fire. They get taken out, but then the hiss tanks come in from behind. It's all good. That's all did you know. All right, all right. Oh. But but the the motor viper, which is is that a Motorhead cover band? I, I, if it's not, it should be. Say the same thing. Uh, it looks like Miles Mayhem. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. But cool cool colors though. I like the light blue and the dark blue. Um, they they didn't go like really bright or really contrasting colors with this one. He's a little more low key, but he looks cool. I like him. This is, uh, Motor Piper was the only one of these figures from this year outside of the main and the, uh, the one I, the, 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 the other thing that we'll talk about later, I'm sure, uh, that I did not have as a kid. So it was weird when I just found him in a pile of Joes at a convention and I was like, man, eh, what is this? I don't recognize it. Oh, this is, this is the one I'm missing from 86. I should probably get it. Well, and he's not like, this one's not very memorable. And I think no. if you had just thrown it in front of me. I wouldn't have been able to identify it. Yeah. Even now, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, and then the next guy? our next guy that literally everybody in the world can probably identify, <laughs> Serpentor. This I command. Oh, man. What what a treat he was when he came out. Uh, and he came out prior to... I feel like I got the figure before Arise for Pentor Arise happened. I believe I did too. I think I got him pretty much as one of the first figures from this year. No, I know I didn't get him until after he appeared in the cartoon. Because I, I think I managed to get the figure and really like the figure before I even had the full backstory because, uh, I mean, the file card obviously lays down that he's a mixture of these leaders throughout time. But until you see the actual Arise for Pentor Arise miniseries and find out that Sergeant Slaughter is part of his DNA as well, <laughs> which the file card leaves out for some reason. Or if you go by the comics, uh, right, Storm right. Shadow takes that place. Uh, yes. 
Uh, but just taken purely as a toy, purely as a, to me, he was a figurehead. I never used him as an actual leader for Cobra. Um, like he was, he was a scary badass guy that would beat up GI Joes, but Cobra Commander was always the leader when I was playing. So yeah, even when I was a kid, I thought it would have been better had he been not somebody who was created to dethrone Cobra Commander, but he was the design of Cobra Commander to make for this, you know, to this pub base of Cobra. Right, right. and that, that's pretty much what I used him as. Uh, but just great-looking figure. The golden scales and the the bright, bright green with that yellow down the middle. Uh, Those teeth that are always broken. Oh, I, right? And don't ever put them on a figure stand. Oh, goodness. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, those heels split all the time. Oh, no. I've got, I've I'm got glad you mine told on me one, that. and I'll never move him. I am glad you told me that, because what happened with the one that I got from Wilson, uh, everything about him was good. He's intact. He's got his thumbs. He's got his teeth. <laughs> but when, when I moved his legs, his crotch shot off and hit me in the face. Uh, yep. Uh, so, yeah, that that gold uh, plastic was one of the ones that did not survive the test of time. But, but fortunately, I was able to get... Uh, just the crotch off of eBay for like eight bucks shipped. So I do. I want to, I want to hear that snipped out of context. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I ordered a crotch off of eBay for eight dollars. Um, but yeah, so I've got an intact repentor now. But I just I love this figure. That big hood that goes you know plugs into his back. Uh, and I think when I was a kid, because I was remembering this when I was putting the the what I have now together. I want to say. I poked a hole in his cape, and the hood was outside of his cape for some reason, for me. Uh, yeah, that's the way I did it, too. I put a hole in his, in his cape. It yeah. fit better that way. Yeah, I don't know why. That's how I wanted it. But now, like I, the one that I've got now, I left intact. I just put the cape on top of the hood. But we also have to talk about his air chariot. Yes, a deluxe figure. It's, well, like Zartan before him gear that comes with a, a sort of I wouldn't say a mini vehicle but you know a smaller more self-contained vehicle a, a one person vehicle it was a way to make the figure seem more special when he's not really a vehicle driver he's a figure but it, it gives him a little bit more pizzazz and it's great it's a very cool you know it's got the spinning fan it's got the snake head that's on a little bit of a pivot uh, got a couple of rockets rockets are always great Oh, wait, no, 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 it doesn't. Those are the veins. No, it's got a couple of guns. Yeah, it's got a couple of, like, blaster-type deals. But um, I use it, too, as, like, his podium. Like, he would stand yes. and lead the yeah. Cobras with, you know, while standing in front of this, this podium-slash-air chariot. Like, do you... When someone says Serpentor is not the image you have of him... Him with his air chariot. It's yes, 100%. like to me they're inseparable. Yes, right. Yeah, it's different than Zartan and the skiff, which yeah, you could take it or leave it. He you know use it every once in a while to get places. Like Serpentor was that was that was part of him was that skiff. Yeah, I, I agree. His that that air chariot you have to have it to the to the point where the 25th anniversary line. While there were a few things that they like Zartan's. Swamp Skier is hilarious. It's this little tiny mini version of it. 
But Serpentor's Air Chariot, they knew they had to go all out with that and basically just reproduce the Air Chariot. Because you have to have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Next up, we have the Sergeant Slaughter that came with the Triple T tank. Uh, we, we've kind of already covered him. He's the basically the version from the cartoon. This was my preferred... Well, this was the one I had when I was a kid. But even now, this is the one that I would integrate into my Joes. Like, he's... Yeah, he just looks cool. He's a great-looking figure, and he looks... You know, Sergeant Slaughter basically wore something like this in the ring. And a figure that... I mean, he was very prominent in the cartoon, had an appearance in the comic, and uh, he was definitely not wearing this costume when he was in the comic. Yeah, I don't remember. What was, What did he have, what did he have on? He was, wearing, like, he was wearing, like, military fatigues. He had, uh, like, a, a shirt and pants uh, were camouflaged. See, I I can't even remember him being in the comic. Yeah, he's like he's in one one episode at the pit at the motor pool. He beats up a bunch of cobras, and then that's the last you ever see of him. <laughs> well, that's okay. Yeah, you know, Larry used him to sell some toys and then moved on. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, so next we have Slipstream, who is really really weird because I don't totally understand his garter belt and thigh highs. <laughs> But you can understand Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> I didn't say this I understood is... him. I said I liked him. <laughs> yeah, this is this is one of those that, like, I mean, I the Conquest is a great vehicle, um, but the, the pilot was not exactly the most memorable Joe from, the season, from that series. He's just so weird. I, I don't understand his his uniform at all. It's this cream-colored jumpsuit with what looked like leather accoutrement that don't they, they they don't match up in the butt. I don't. I just don't. This is a bizarre design. I don't understand it at all. But what a sweet mustache! Great mustache. He's definitely one of the top mustache guys. Uh, but the conquest itself was one of the first vehicles that I think my dad had a little bit of a problem with. Uh, Even though that was based on a real experimental jet. based on a real jet, but I remember him poo-pooing it as something that, like, they just would never use. Like, <laughs> there, there was there was an issue with this one. Because he loved the Sky Striker. Uh, and this one, I he just, it wasn't, it wasn't a big fan of. Yeah, I, it was only within, I think, the last five or six years that I learned that it was based off of a real jet. As, as a kid, I started to think that they were, you know, again, with the other figures, this was just more proof that they were starting to slip more into a science fiction army kind of realm, and it, it didn't hold a lot of appeal for me. Yeah, this, this, wasn't, this wasn't one of my favorite vehicles. It was, it was cool. Uh, and, and you needed it to go on your flag, but uh, or, or I did anyway. But uh, I, I loved it because I never had a Sky Striker as a kid. Um, but this was a you know this is a much less expensive uh, vehicle. Nine ninety nine. Um, Can you believe that? That's in, that's insane to think about it now. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you could you could conceivably have a couple. It, you know, you could have your little air. It, it did good air battles with the Rattler. You know, it, it matched up to it size wise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it was it was a good sort of standard jet. It was much simpler than the Sky Striker. 
Uh, it just made more sense as a sort of common man's jet, if you will. That everybody could fly on the cartoon. Now, next up is one that I did not have. Uh, oh, I goodness. never had the Stradiviper or the Night Raven. Uh, this was this was like top tier favorite toy. Okay, well, I have never even like held a Night Raven in my hands. So please elaborate on the joys of the Night Raven and the Strato Viper. Well, the I mean the Strato Viper himself is a pretty cool looking pilot figure. He's wearing like this black leather with this really you know that that, that great wash of red. It's it's very Cobra. He's got a couple of you know neat little silver extension uh, little silver accessories like the knee pads. Um, the uh, the Night Raven is just so massive. And to have something based off of an SR-71, which was such a, you know, a cool, you know, this, you know, this, this giant spy jet, this stealth spy plane, um, and to adapt that into this, I mean, gigantic figure that also had that little, that, uh, that extra pod that came off that could either be, you know, a drone or you could fit a figure in there. The way that that, uh, the way that the cockpit lowered on the Night Raven versus every other one that, that popped up uh, from the top. Oh, I wait, just... wait, wait. I don't even know what you're talking about. What? So the the cockpit of the Night Raven actually lowers below the vehicle. You pull it down, you fit the figures inside, you push it back up. So the top doesn't open. Figures? Yeah, it, it yeah. held two. Oh, my gosh. This is like the greatest vehicle ever. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a pretty. I mean, it was a pretty impressive thing at that time. Uh, it has the retracting wheels, so you've got uh, you know you can the little lever that you can pull back and forth. So uh, it doesn't have wings that that uh, retract like the Sky Striker does, but it does have that same action accessory with the wheels. But yeah, and it's just a solid, just a well well put together piece. I mean, the, a lot of them are missing some accessories, but the main body of it is pretty much intact on most of the ones I've seen in the aftermarket. So, looking at this, let me throw something at you guys. I think that this wouldn't have been fair, but the Night Raven is a little more conventional, perhaps, than the Conquest. What if the Night Raven had been made for the Joes and the Conquest had been done in, like, navy or black... And they'd flipped those. Would have worked. I think for me... Oh, okay, wait. What if the Night Raven was maybe, like, not vac metal, but, like, a silver for the Joes? Hmm. I feel like that might have been done. Oh, was it? Sky Striker (laughs) already for the Joes. Like, like, we never had a big jet for that's exactly the problem, is that... The Sky Striker balances out the Night Raven, and the Conquest balances out the Rattler. Which, granted, honestly, the Rattler is is almost a deluxe in and of itself, just from that VTOL action. But yeah, yeah, you're right. It would have been kind of unbalanced to do it that way. But yeah, this thing looks awesome. I, I would love to to track down one of these intact. I love the little uh, the little extra shuttle vehicle. I'm surprised, surprised that you didn't have one or that you've not actually held one. That's, I, I don't know how that one slipped by. I, I really I think don't. Mine is still, I think mine is still pretty much 
complete that I that I had as a kid. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it got it got a lot of play. Yeah, I mean, it looks incredible. I mentioned that I did, I wasn't even aware that it had that drop down cockpit. So that's that's awesome. A unique feature like that. Um, you know, it's already an awesome vehicle, but that I mean makes it, it takes it even to another level. Uh, but to move on to things that I did have, oh, oh I loved the Thunder Machine. I loved it, and I love Thrasher. The Thunder Machine is just so iconic. Just the idea this this cobbled together vehicle. I mean, the front end of it is clearly a Camaro. Like you can see the the parts or a put Firebird. together. Yeah, and definitely, definitely showed. If you weren't if you weren't sure that this was that the Dreadnoughts were Mad Max based before, right? This pretty well sealed the deal mm-hmm. yeah the fact that the the gatling guns on the front actually rotated and fed that that bullet uh thing through was an amazing feature yeah um, the rubber bullets that fed through the that was such a such a great great thing uh that has a jet engine on the back of it the the panels that flip up and that like the ones on the back that are over the tires and then the actual doors like just uh, the, the functionality of this thing was so cool. And, you know, one of the most important features of any G.I. Joe vehicle, you could load more troops on it. And one of my favorite moments ever as an adult costumer slash fan of G.I. Joe was finding out that someone I knew had built one uh, and that there is a real live one out there somewhere that I wish we could figure out what happened to it. <laughs> We, we know the person who bought it, and then that person disappeared. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, he sold it a few years ago, and, and the guy who bought it apparently is in Alabama, but uh, we don't know what happened to him. Maybe we haven't seen him in a while. crazy trust fund person that <sighs> just took off. Uh, we, which yeah. brings us to Thrasher. Christian, do you uh, how, how do you feel about Thrasher as part of the Dreadnoughts? I, I thought he fit, uh, mainly because of the vehicle. Um It's, I, I did not have it. One of my friends did. Uh, it, but it was always whenever we played a go-to, and because he was tied in with the vehicle, um, yeah, I, I think he, to me, he fits in with the Dreadnoughts. Yeah, uh, you just, you mentioned Trust Fund Kids, and uh, that's what he was, yes. pretty much. He was like this rich, snobby kid who, you know, winds up joining this pack of miscreants he was basically a more evil version of jean ralphio <laughs> um but yeah I, I i was a big fan of thrasher his his inter- introduction in the cartoon when he sort of outsmarts his way into being a dreadnought uh just everything upset the the thunder machine and thrasher very very cool it's the fact he's got a lacrosse stick with some kind of mace or something stuck to it it's ridiculous yeah. and it's great and said he doesn't. He he strays from the original Dreadnought aesthetic in that he does look more like he's he's futuristic. He's got these yeah. these white boots and you know this this weird football uh, or lacrosse yeah like the like the, the lacrosse shoulder pads. Um, but yeah, definitely a cool figure. And once again, a guy who's showing a lot of skin in 1986. Yeah. Well, you know what? If you've got abs- but you know what cutoffs cutoff shirts like that were pretty common. <laughs> and if you've so got I, ads I like that, 
why not? Yep. Well, that does not wrap up 1986, but we're going to save the last portion uh, for a future conversation. Uh, that that is the the regular retail releases of 1986. Looking back at this, can you guys pick out a favorite Joe and a favorite Cobra? Uh, Noel, do you have a, a favorite Joe from what we saw this year? Favorite Joe from that year? It's probably going to be Beachhead. Um, my one of my favorite characters, one of my favorite figures, just perfect all around. A uh, little trivia about Beachhead for you. Uh, his son was the character Chip Point in the Cops and Crooks cartoon yeah. and, and toy line. They actually carried that over between the shows. Uh, and Cops I is a, either forgot that or did not know that. My mind right now is blown. It's it's kind of a they they just threw it out there and one of the the name he's got the same last name and then in one of the episodes he mentions that his dad was part of an elite military force. Um, so it was one of those little kind of Easter egg type things because uh, Larry Hama wrote all the cops file cards as well. Yeah, well, part part of that Hasbro verse that bled into Inhumanoids and Transformers yep. and Jim and the Holograms. Yep. Uh, what about a favorite Cobra? Ah, uh, you know, I probably I'm probably gonna say Monkey Wrench just because uh, th- that's probably a later thing too. Just because I've I've grown to love that figure so much that I started costuming him. Um, but you know. I'm going to go with the Viper, just because it's so iconic. It's such a perfect troop builder. Christian, what about you? For favorite Joe, uh, it's going to be Mainframe. He was my guy that was at HQ. He he was the Professor X, sort of, of the team. Oh, okay. okay. Everybody know where to go because he was connected. I mean, this is before I knew who Oracle was in DC, which is probably a better example. <laughs> uh, but for for Cobras, if... Oh, man. I'm embarrassed to say it. <laughs> but honestly, at the time, uh, I just thought Xandar was... was badass. He I was mean, badass at the time. I usually him up with you know Zorana, so I always think of them as a as a pair. Yes, yes. Um, but you know the look has not aged. Well, well but that's the thing you got to remember is in 1986, those colors, that look was cool. Yeah, <laughs> like that was Billy Idol, that was David Lee Roth, like that was that's that was a look. And and now it's yeah it's a little much, but back then yeah those both of those figures were very very cool to me. Uh, my favorite Joe, I've, I've got to go with Wetsuit. It's a tough call because they're all great, but man, I love those aquatic figures, and Wetsuit was just so cool looking, such a, such a huge upgrade from Torpedo. Um, I, I just love that figure. And then for Cobras, as much as I feel like I should say the Viper, because of how iconic and cool looking it is, I got to go with the Bat. That battle android trooper, there's so much play value there. Um, you know, as a kid, if I'd had like ten of those, I would have lost my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what? A, yeah, what a year for troop builders for Cobra. Even yeah. though none of mm-hmm. us, none of us had the resources to build troops, <laughs> it was still a very cool year. 
Uh, all right. Well, I think we've covered 1986 pretty thoroughly, uh, as thoroughly as anybody probably ever has. Uh, you guys, I have two things that I've got to bring up here. One, obviously, a future episode, we're going to have to come back around and cover 1987 to 1989, because I do think those are years that warrant conversation for those of us who were around back in the day. Uh, but I also think there's so much beyond just those years that warrants talking about from the comics to the cartoons to even the video games and the the different ranges of toys uh what do you guys think about just starting a gi joe podcast i think i'm uh i'm down with that i think why hasn't it been done before by us yeah i i think that's yeah. something we're gonna have to do so for those of you who are listening uh please do stay tuned to needless things uh you can join the needless things podcast facebook group uh and we will keep everybody informed there but we will be launching a new monthly gi joe focused podcast in july uh and it's going to be awesome it's going to be different from anything needless things has ever done uh the format is going to be very unique and we're going to cover as much I Joe as we possibly can. So thanks for listening. Uh, Christian and Noel, thanks for coming on and and always spending two hours talking about 1986. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> Who knew that was going to happen? And we didn't even cover it all, but that's okay because we've got future episodes and a whole new podcast uh, to talk about G.I. Joe all we want. Thanks a lot, you guys. Yo, Joe. And from there, we had a uh, 15, 20-minute conversation about what we want the G.I. Joe podcast to be. It will be monthly. It will launch in July. And we have a format set that is essentially taking everything that I have learned in my eight years of podcasting to make what I think is the best possible show. And I realize that maybe sets a high bar, but if you've been listening to the Needless Things podcast for any amount of time, you probably have a pretty good idea of what I think of as, as quality, uh, but you don't have a good idea of what I think of as a truly perfect podcast format. This will be different from anything Needless Things has done before. Maybe not too different. There are a couple of projects that are not going to spring to your mind immediately that were could potentially be considered the genesis of this. But uh, I'm very excited. I'm very proud. I'm very thrilled to be working with Christian and Noel going forward. And we have a name. I am working on cover art and music TBD. i got to figure that part of it out because I want something original and cool. And I'm not quite sure where to go. So if you want to compose some some uh, military-esque, G.I. Joe-esque music, then uh, shoot me a message and, and let me know you can do such a thing. Uh, there you go. Check out the Needless Things YouTube channel. Check out NeedlessThingsPodcast.com. Uh, get on iTunes, Stitcher, review us, uh, give us reviews, share us. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. 
You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.